Monday night, May 6th at the Hyatt Regency in San Francisco. You're invited to join athletes and celebs at the Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame Enshrinement Dinner. Be there to celebrate this year's class featuring Olympic swimmer Jenny Thompson, San Jose Earthquakes legend Chris Wondolowski, Niners Super Bowl hero John Taylor, Sharks icon Patrick Marlowe, and the architect of the Giants dynasty, Brian Sabian. Be a part of this star-studded evening benefiting Special Olympics Northern California. To purchase tickets, visit Bayshoff.org. That's B-A-S-H-O-F.org. Today's episode of Where Are They Now takes a stroll down memory lane with defenseman Dan Boyle, one of the top players at that position in Sharks franchise history. We begin with a unique personal discussion. His name is Dan Boyle, but he's French. Let's get the history of that. My name is actually Daniel. That's what I was born with. Uh, and then, so I went to French elementary school, French high school. Um, so, but I, um, I learned my English two ways. A, watching TV watching hockey <laughs> and be uh, uh, on my hockey team. So my hockey teams were mostly uh, English anglophones. So I just kind of picked up the language like that. And eventually 18 years later, I got a scholarship to go to Miami of Ohio. And that was really my first English class that wasn't English. Like, you know, the, as, as you take uh, say Spanish or French, your once a week type of thing, I would have English class once a week. So uh, thankfully I picked it up pretty easily and, um, I'm more comfortable today speaking English than I am in French, but I still have a, you know, French family back home. And so whenever I go back or speak to them, I usually speak French, but, uh, eventually dropped the Daniel and, uh, just went with Dan and kind of went with that. Four years at Miami of Ohio, you had a tremendous career there, obviously. And, and, but what, at what time did you start to think that maybe you might even try to play pro hockey? Uh, again, not a funny story, but, uh, I, I mean, I had a great four years there. I was consistently, uh, up there in the Hobie Baker award, uh, voting. I never won it. I was a finalist, I think a couple years, uh, won CCHA best defenseman a couple years. Um, but still, I still was, wasn't getting drafted guys that were, uh, how can I say this nicely that were not nowhere near as good as me were getting drafted and it was, it was tough. And I just, honestly, I, I still, even after doing what I was doing in college, I didn't think I was going to play pro. And I started shifting my focus to maybe um, uh, playing in Europe. Uh, there were, you know, certain guys making a, a decent living, you know, going out and playing in Europe. And that's kind of what I thought. I mean, I was still not going to lie. I was still waiting and hoping to get drafted but uh, back then, I think there were like 10 or 11 or 12 rounds. And, but, you know, I, it still blows my mind to this day that, you know, no team could have picked me in, in the last round, you know. But uh, so I just kind of my focus kind of was like, well, maybe I can, you know, have some sort of a career in, in, in Europe. And, and that's kind of what my focus was as I continued playing, uh, you know, the four years there. It's really ironic that that very first year of pro hockey, you were playing in Cincinnati, not really that far from Miami of Ohio, but uh, but you ended up with the Kentucky Thoroughblades and you got introduced yeah. to the Sharks organization under a bizarre series of circumstances. How did that happen? Yeah, it's, uh, God, it's, it's such a crazy, crazy uh, trajectory I've had or, or, or life, I guess. Um, yeah, so I ended up signing with Florida. They, you know, they sent me down right away and their farm teams at the time, their farm team at the time was in New Haven, Connecticut. That's where they send their, you know, up and coming as well. 
They don't send me there. <laughs> they loan me to this team in Lexington, Kentucky. There's four of us. We call ourselves the rejects. Uh, there was four of us that get sent out to Lexington, Kentucky, which at the time was San Jose's farm team. So here I am, you know, a, a reject um, from Florida being sent to another team that wants to develop as pl third players. You know, I, I ended up playing with, you know, Nabby, ended up playing with Scott Hannon, uh, Jared Scaldi, uh, Mike Craig, a lot of guys that I kind of, you know, were with the Santa, uh, Stephen Guala, you know, a lot of guys that were, you know, kind of were with the Sharks at the time. Um, so Smith, Smitty. The, the yeah, oh yeah, Smitty, sorry. So, I mean, there was a ton, Matt Bradley, there was a bunch of guys. Um, but the, the greatest part of the story was, you know, um, uh, Sumner's, sorry. Um, he was the coach. I think it was his first or second year. And I'm thinking, oh man, he's not going to play the Florida guys. His, his deal is, you know, he's got to develop his San Jose guys prospects. But from the day I got there, I think the first game I played 30 minutes and I don't think I played less than that for the whole half of the year that I was there before I got called up. So thanks to Roy um, and his staff, because, uh, you know, they were about winning games. They, they, they didn't care where guys were drafted, where they were from. Um, you know, they, they were a huge part in, in me taking that next step. And from the day I played my first game with, with Lexington, um, like I said, I, I, I think I, I was playing 30 minutes a night and it was just, it just took off from there. I always remember when you were playing there, um, your your nickname there was Rockin' Dan Boyle because <laughs> yeah. you were you, you had the long hair and you were into the I rock did. and roll all the time. What, what was that all about? Yeah, I, well, that's you know I I I I had long hair in college and then I I, I got to uh, Lexington and again those guys all kind of are part of a brotherhood. They're you know they're part of the Sharks and here we are the four rejects coming in. But the guys took to me pretty well pretty quickly. I had the long hair and all of a sudden I'm a rookie and I'm in charge of playing music in the locker room. So back then there was no iPhone, iPod. Um, so they gave me, I forget how much money. Um, I think they gave me a couple hundred bucks and I ended up going to a CD store, bought a bunch of CDs and uh, mainly what I like, but, you know, tried to stay, you know, so somewhat normal because I do like some weird stuff and, Ended up being kind of a DJ there for, uh, again, I think I was there for about 50 some games before I got called up. So uh, yeah, I just became the rockin' Dan Boyle somehow. I don't know who gave me that nickname, but it kind of stuck. Yeah, but that, uh, that parlayed later into a radio show I think you did with the Tampa Bay <laughs> Lightning. Isn't that true? <laughs> That's true, yeah. Again, I mean, this is, this is an awesome interview. I, I don't know if people are gonna wanna listen, but I'm enjoying talking about this. But um, yeah, I... Um, I met, um, was it 98 Rock or 94 Rock? I don't know. It was, it was the main rocks. It was the main station in, in Tampa at the time. And um, they approached me to do um, a radio show, like an hourly radio show. And I, I was pretty hesitant, um, <clears throat> but I, I said, let's give it a go. I figured no one would listen, but let's give it a try. And uh, I think I did it like, three or four weeks in a row. And the next thing you know, it was the most listened to hour on that radio station, uh, which was like on Sunday night at seven, which was kind of like a weird time slot. But um, people just, I guess, you know, like we chatted about hockey and um, I played, I, at, at that time I had an iPod and I would just bring my iPod and uh, basically would tell them which, seven eight songs to play and it was a mixture of talking hockey listening to music talking about music 
And I ended up doing it for the whole year because it was the year that I hurt myself, hurt my wrist that year and I was out. So ended up being a blessing in disguise and kind of gave me something to do on the, you know, those long days. Was that a year, I remember a, a, you had a freak accident, a skate yeah. fell and hit yeah. you in the wrist. Yeah, yeah. What happened? Yeah. yeah. Preseason game, um, come in after the game. And, and to this day, we still, we hang our, oh, no, nobody can see me here, but uh, you hang your skates uh, in the NHL locker rooms, you hang your skates up high. And um, the hooks now, because of my injury, they, they have a little turn to them so the skates can't fall off. But back then there was, it was just a balancing act. And, and again, I put my skates on those hooks a thousand times, but that one particular day, I didn't put them on quite right. Uh, we had some heavy bins underneath, put whatever I, you know, I was getting undressed, put everything underneath. And then when I slammed the, uh, the, 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 the bottom part, um, the skate fell off the, uh, the rack and sliced my wrist open, uh, sliced all three tendons. And I l ended up missing, God, I don't know, 40 some games that year and uh, freak accident, man. And, uh, but yeah, just another one of those interesting things that I went through in my career. <laughs> By then you were an established NHL player, of course, but uh, you went through the Florida Panthers for a couple of years and then you got a, your first taste of playing in the NHL yeah. for that organization. Just tell us about that very first NHL game and uh, your first season in the NHL and, and uh, what it meant to you to actually get there and see yourself on the ice playing against all these great players. Yeah, I uh, I remember I, would get a, I remember getting the call when I was in Lexington. Got the call saying I, it was uh, Brian Murray at the time. I, I thought it was a joke when when he called, but it took me about ten seconds. He said, "Yeah, we're calling you up. You're going to meet us in Dallas. Your flight's at three thirty. You know, pack some bags and see you there." So the whole thing was surreal. I got to Dallas. Uh, they played the next night. I was a healthy scratch. <laughs> so. <laughs> That was fun. Um, I had my parents, my whole family, they went out, rented out a bar. And sure enough, uh, I was told at one warm up, I was a healthy scratch. So um, yeah, that wasn't a great part, but I ended up playing a couple nights later uh, in St. Louis. Um, first game ended up being a zero, zero tie, no shootouts back then, which was pretty surreal. I played pretty well and uh, ended up, you know, spending what I thought was going to be just a week, maybe I ended up finishing the whole season with Florida and they didn't make the playoffs. So uh, they sent me back to the minors for the playoffs, but uh, ended up playing well. I'm playing a lot and uh, was pretty much a first, you know, I guess a one, two defenseman by the end of the year, but then fast forward to the next year, maybe this is too much information, but you know, I go from being a one, two with Robert Svela to out of the camp next year being the last cut and I, I still remember this to this day and Brian Murray looks at me and says hey he says you're going to be an NHL player one day just not today he says we're going with size and there was a guy by the name of John Jacobin and uh, Mike Wilson I think which were both guys that were six five six 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 seven and he flat out said hey you're we're going with size and so that was that was a tough moment because after what I had proven for 40 games a year before, all of a sudden with a snap of the finger, it was gone and I was back in the minors again. So it was just another one of those hurdles I had to clear both mentally and physically and emotionally. And uh, 
it was tough, man. Any kid that's that thinks they've had it hard, I'm, I'm I, I would, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I've, I've, I've gone through some, some rough times, and uh, I know what it's like to feel low. So, did that make you feel, make you a better person though, and a better pro overall? Probably. I mean, you know, you got a lot of guys now that are, you know, coming out of juniors right in the HL, right on their planes, you know, sipping their mimosas, flying first class. I've done a lot of. You know, I did a lot of work. I, I was in the minors for basically two years. Um, like I said, went from being a, a one-two to being back in the minors and, and, and kind of went back and forth a few times. And uh, God went through three different coaches in Florida. Um, you know, Mike Keenan, who is well-known, was, was, was horrible. <laughs> I don't mind saying it. He was a horrible coach and a horrible person. Uh, to me anyways. And, uh, you know, had Dwayne Sutter, which wasn't any easier. And so it was, it was a rough go for a while, but it certainly eventually made me appreciate when I was eventually traded to Tampa. Um, it eventually made me appreciate what I had, what I, and, and it also can help me sympathize with some of these young guys going up always, you know, when you're a first rounder, you don't know what it's like for a guy to not get drafted. So it allowed me to, you know, help some young guys along the way with, then when they were getting sent down, kind of letting them know, hey, it happens and we'll be back up here. So you go from Terry Murray to Dwayne Sutter to Mike Keenan, and then you go to Tampa and you get John Tortorella. <laughs> and uh, you kind of met your match there in a way. Uh, Torts has got quite a reputation over the years, but uh, the one thing I've always known about him, because he, uh, he was with me in New Haven, Connecticut before he got started, was he cared about his players and he wanted to win. And uh, that seemed to fit you pretty well. Yeah. Um, so Rick Dudley was the GM that got me there. Um, and so thank, I, Rick was gone by the time I got there. So I officially never had a chance to thank him. Uh, still haven't met him to this day, but he's the one that got me over there. Torts didn't have a clue who I was, but um, they were the last place team at the time. I think uh, Florida might've been 30th. Tampa was like 29th or 28th. And it was halfway through the season. They weren't going to make the playoffs. So it was kind of one of those, trial half the season say so just kind of let the players play and and again I went from being a healthy scratch for like 15 games in a row under Keenan to playing 28 29 minutes a night under torts and um I think I surprised him I think I surprised most of the people in Tampa I don't think they expected that um and like you said torts is very hard to play for but he respects work ethic I think he's got a good eye for talent uh, although he doesn't see the game as I did. And we had, you know, we butted heads certainly along the way, but um, he's got an eye for talent. He knows what he wants. And, and also, you know, I have to say that um, Craig Ramsey was the assistant coach and the D coach. And I think that balance of torts and him uh, made a difference because, you know, for, for every torts, I think you need somebody that's a little different. And that's where I think um, Ramo was, was obviously very significant in his role and, and, me being a better player. Was it like being uh, transported out of your body when you were skating around with the Stanley Cup in the air? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, for me, the most exciting moment that I can remember was, I wasn't on the ice the last um, 20 seconds, but that last kind of 15, 10 seconds where I just kept, it was like a tennis match looking at the clock and, and what was going on, on the ice, it was a one goal game. So um, from that last 20 seconds, to the buzzer, to me jumping on the ice and jumping into a crowd of people. 
Uh, that was kind of the surreal moment. I think I eventually came back down to earth by the time I got the cup, but uh, certainly that the, the 30 seconds or so was, uh, the, that was just the most insane uh, moment of my career. Where Are They Now continues its discussion with Sharks alumnus Dan Boyle. Dan joined the Sharks in 2008. He knew a lot about San Jose as a team, but not much about it as a city. Um, it's kind of twofold. As far as place to live, I didn't know anything. Um, when you fly into San Jose, you stay downtown, uh, you go to the rink, you kind of come back at the Fairmont, I think right there. Uh, you don't get to see very much. So I didn't really know a whole lot. Um, so that was a little bit of a, 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 you know, left it up to chance a little bit. Um, as far as the team goes, they, they had been a successful team for many years. Obviously, I, I wanted to go and have a chance at winning again. I knew this was going to be a good opportunity. Um, you know, obviously with the guys that they had, uh, the guys that they were bringing in, um, I, I knew there was an opportunity there. And, and uh, unlike my trade to Tampa, where I was kind of a nobody and, you know, wasn't really sure that they wanted me, uh, besides Rick Dudley, um, obviously San Jose wanted me. And so it, I, I felt, you know, that want and I appreciated that. And, uh, you know, besides not knowing anything about the area, I knew this is a team I wanted to play for. Um, so it was, uh, fell in love, fell in love with it. Uh, we rented the first year in Willow Glen and, <clears throat> and within, I think one or two months, I, I, I looked at Amber and I said, Hey, we're, I think we're going to stay here long-term because, um, it's just an absolutely beautiful and amazing area place to play, place to live. Um, I mean, I can't say anything. I mean, I'm still here today. So um, it's uh, it was a started off as a little bit of a chance, but uh, obviously it worked out. Well, it sure did. And not, not only were you a great player for the Sharks, but also you, uh, you inculcated, a, I think, an attitude in the dressing room. You helped with all those veteran players that one, one thing that you absolutely hate to do to this day is to lose at anything. If I'm, if I'm out with you in the backyard hitting golf balls, you want to get closer to, uh, uh, to, the, t to the hole than, than me. If, you, if I'm playing you in chess on the plane, you want, you want to win in six moves. But uh, uh, do you think that, that that desire to be competitive and to compete was, uh, was one of your greatest assets? I do. I do. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have made it 18 years if I didn't have that. I would have given up a long time ago. Uh, some of the things we talked about, it would have been so much easier to just say, Hey, I don't, I don't want any part of this. Let's I'll let, let me just go get some sort of a job and make my nine to five, you know? So that is something that I believe is you're born with. I, I don't think you can teach that. Uh, you can try, but um, I think certain guys um, are just born with that a little bit more than others. And from, from, from a very early on, from very early age, uh, my brother was seven years older than me. Uh, <clears throat> it didn't matter. I wanted to beat him at everything we did. Um, to this, to this day, I mean, uh, with my own kids, I, 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 maybe some parents might disagree with this type of parenting, but I, 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 I make them work. I make them earn it, whatever we're doing. And I, I don't let them beat them. I don't let them beat me. Sorry. I should say. So, um, you know, I, obviously I make it fun. I make sure they're having a good time, but uh, I, I just, I, uh, I want to win at everything I do. Are they competitive too? <laughs> my youngest, my youngest a lot more than my oldest. Um, again, I, I don't want to push them in anything. I'm allowing them to find their way. 
but uh, my, certainly my youngest, I think, has picked up some of that. Uh, she doesn't really like losing. <laughs> uh, so you really found your way with the Sharks, certainly, and, and you found a place to live that you loved. Your family is here. Um, and you also played for a pretty darn good hockey team that uh, you went to the conference final a couple of years in a row. Uh, this was a team that uh, you know, had Joe Thornton, Patrick Marlowe. Uh, your defensive partner, as I mentioned, for a lot of it was it was Douglas Murray, who's uh, quite a personality. Uh, that was quite a personality-filled team, wasn't it? It was, and I was fortunate. I was here for six years. Um, I, I, I honestly, we were a legit contender for probably five of those six years. There might have been one year where we weren't as good, but um, I do get asked this a lot. But I mean, obviously, we didn't win the cup. That's you know, that's that's the only thing that we didn't do or I didn't do while I was here, but we certainly had a tremendous hockey team. Uh, one of the best um, I've played on, you, you could argue that the team, the, especially the first year I was here, the president trophy team could have beaten the, the, the Tampa team uh, in 04, but it doesn't work like that in hockey. You know, there's bounces, there's, there's, there's health, there's luck. There's, you know, there's a lot of things that go into it. Uh, and we were just never able to, 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 to win that last game. But um, some of the best teams I've been on were, were the six years I was here. I mean, just the talent, uh, the personalities, like you said, um, the fans, the crowd, it was just, it was just an awesome, awesome experience. Douglas Murray, was that one of the more unique uh, D partners you've ever had? Absolutely. Uh, not only on the ice, but off the ice. He was, uh, we were brothers on and off the ice. Uh, just a, a, an amazing, amazing dude. Um, love playing, love playing with him on the ice. Um, I think he, uh, he, uh, everyone, you know, will probably remember the crankshaft and the big hits and, you know, the, 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 the big body checks, but, um, you know, I think what a lot of people will probably underestimate is, is, is the way he sees the game. And I obviously see the game a lot differently than others. And, you know, some defense partners have a hard time playing with me because I'm kind of all over the place, but cranky was always so easy to play with. And uh, we just got along so, so great, not only on the ice, but off the ice. And, uh, you know, he thought the game for, for a big bruising guy, he, he wanted to make plays. And he, you know, I think that was definitely underrated as far as uh, his game goes. What's the experience like to be asked by your country to represent your country and then to go out and win the gold medal? Yeah, I, I'll preface this by saying four years before I was at the top of my game, uh, well, you know, you can argue I was one of the, the better defensemen in the league. And I, I got the call from Wayne Gretzky only so he could tell me I was going to be on the taxi squad. So talk about another punch in the gut where I was, you know, felt this tremendous high for about 10 seconds when he told me I was named to Team Canada and then a complete uppercut when he told me I was going to be on the taxi squad. So that was really, really, really tough for me. Um, but my dad really encouraged me. My dad wanted me to go and get the experience. And so reluctantly I went and unfortunately it was not a good showing for Team Canada. So it was tough to watch. And fast forward to four years later, um, I got the call and, and uh, not, they told me I'm on the team. So not on the taxi squad, but playing. And then that was just a, an awesome phone call. And um, again, to share with, you know, my teammates with, with Heater and Patty and Joe was, was tremendous. And, and then to, to have it be in Vancouver um, was, was a surreal moment. And uh, 
obviously winning. I mean, it was win, it was winner or, or, or bust for us. Like silver medal would not <laughs> would not have been real, you know, would not have been good for us Canadians to, to, to show our faces back home. So thank thank God we won. We won in you know dramatic fashion, and uh, again another memory that I'll cherish forever. But again, to go from where I was <laughs> to winning that gold medal is is a pretty surreal uh, uh, road. How did you deal with, with the injury part of the game? Yeah, uh, thankfully, like I said, beside the wrist injury, uh, you know, nothing major, but you're right. That concussion, um, that concussion is probably the hardest thing I had to deal with in my career. Um, I think that season alone was my, which was my last year as a shark, um, you know, statistically not my best uh, on the ice, probably not my best, but I think I've talked about this before. A lot of people didn't know is I wasn't sleeping. You know, I had maybe an hour or two a night, you know, you got a back to back, you got four hours in your body of sleep, you know, over 40 games or 50 games or whatever it was. That's, that's not a good thing. So although it wasn't a, a statistically good year or, or one that you might want to remember me as, I, I was very proud of that year because I overcame a lot uh, of tough times that I had to deal with um, off the ice with the concussion and the sleep and the balance and, um, you know, eventually that got a little better, but it's still those last two years in New York, I was still struggling with sleep a lot. Um, wasn't as healthy as I wanted to be. So I think that was part of the, uh, the fire going out a little bit too. I had two little girls, didn't want to move again. Uh, you know, wasn't sleeping well. Um, I, I don't know if I should say, well, I'm, I am going to say this. I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but cer certain guys can fade away and, and become that, fifth or sixth defenseman, seventh defenseman, and, and help the young guys come along. I just, that's not me. I'm not, I'm not good at that. I want to play in New York. I wanted to play. I wanted to play more and I had a reduced role and some players can do that and, 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 and good on them. I just, uh, again, talk about the, the competitiveness. I just, I couldn't do that. I couldn't sit back and be a healthy scratch and, and, and play 15 minutes. And that's just not the way that I'm wired. So that was the other reason I, I, you know, it was time for me to go. And uh, it is what it is. I, I you know, I, I wish I could have gotten out on top, but I, I did a lot of great things. I, I played 18 years when I wasn't supposed to play one game. So um, I'm, I'm obviously proud of, of what, I've, what I've accomplished. You've been away from the game now for a couple of years. What about the game of hockey now? And as you look back at it, do, do you think that, that, that you know, there is something you can still impart to the game and you might like to at some point? Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't watch hockey the first year I retired. Probably watched about five games the second year, and every year I, I'm, I'm watching a little bit more and more. Um, I certainly watch during the playoffs. That's kind of when I get fired up. Um, I don't know where I'm at with it. I, I, I sometimes I, I, I question, you know, trades or what I would do if I was a GM. So I think, you know, I don't know when or if. Um, I like the idea of maybe being involved in some way, shape or form. Um, I don't know if it's going to be a coach because I, <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't mean you're going to be a good coach. Um, you know, you have to understand the players, but um, I like the game played a certain way, I think. And uh, I think sometimes coaches rob players of that um, uh, instincts. Uh, I think when it becomes very robotic, um, I struggle with that. So I really enjoy watching players that play the game the right way, but they also play it creatively in the way it's meant to be played. 
um, which is how we grew up having fun, being competitive, playing the game the right way. So if anything, I'd like to be involved in making sure we preserve that. Um, I, I, you know, when I watch football and I watch coaches that never go for it on fourth and one, it drives me bananas. It drives me nuts. I understand there's reasons for that once in a while, but I've always been the type of guy that wants to swing the bat. I'm using all the analogies now, but, um, you know, so, so I don't know in what shape or form I would be involved, but I want to make sure that we preserve the game the way it's supposed to be played. And, and sometimes at times I feel like coaches um, take that away um, because, you know, their job is to win games. It's, it's not about style, style points. Um, they want to win games and, um, yeah, I don't know. I think I went off off track a little bit there, but yeah, I just I, I'd like to be involved in, in some some shape or form at some point because I obviously still love the game and and want to give back. Now, you're passionate about it. You you were a great player, and and you have a lot to give. And I know that uh, the guys on the team that are on the team now that were still there when you were there speak uh, so highly of of their time with you and with great respect. Uh, people like Logan Couture and Patty Marlowe and so forth and. Isn't it nice too that uh, that the Sharks have an op atmosphere that kind of enhances what you're talking about for the most part, where they allow guys to be themselves and allow them to be creative. I do. I I I I enjoy. I can't tell you how much I enjoy watching the game when players are. What that there's so much talent, so much talent, and uh, when they're allowed to, you know, within within obviously the concept of of, of team play, you don't want you know, guys making poor mistakes over and over again, but um, it's enjoyable watching guys work, work hard and work creatively. And uh, again, I, I just, I enjoy the game the way that it was meant to be played. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's nice to watch. Well, it's, it's, uh, it's been an honor to have you on our show, but it's also been an honor to have you as a, as a, uh, as a plane mate, certainly. And you were a great teammate for so many years. You were the guy that everybody went to, because they relied on your leadership and they relied on your competitiveness. And uh, I just want to let you know that, uh, that you're a shark for life. There's no question when the sharks win the Stanley cup, you're going to be a big part of that because you were one of the guys that built it. So thanks for being with us here today. Thank you. That's very, very kind. Thank you very much. I absolutely love it being a shark. I love being here and look forward to that day. Our thanks to Dan Boyle for sharing some of his memories with us. I'm Dan Rusinowski. Join me next time for another episode of Where Are They Now?